afternoon. Welcome to Fit Talk with Nick. I'm your host, Nick Rodriguez. Um, we, this is a show where we cover a broad range of health and wellness topics, and today we are going to be talking about the difference between physical activity, occupational wellness, and then we're also going to dive into some core training methods. So let's get started. So the difference between physical activity as well as exercise is having a goal in mind. Um, everything is physical activity if you really think about it. And if you look on a website, which I'm going to have in the notes whenever we post the podcast, the World Health Organization, the WHO, describes it as any time your body is moving and exerting energy. So that could literally be cooking, gardening, gardening, eating, making your bed. It could be almost anything, to be honest. And then we go into exercise in that same article. And what they talk about is that is more of a focus on training for a goal or an outcome. So physical activity would be your job. If you're editing a podcast, if you are lifting boxes at a warehouse, if you're a, a, a head chef, that is your physical activity for the day. And it, it's actually scaled differently compared to exercise. So your fitness tracker, your Fitbit, your iPhone, that won't track that the same as if you did 100 squats throughout the day versus working eight hours. You're actually doing less work compared to that. So there are actually guidelines that that the WHO, World Health Organization, provides us. I do not think that a lot of people in the world are actually hitting those numbers, um, and neither do they, but this is what they are. It encompasses strength training and encompasses cardio. The first one, which is the easiest one, depending who you are, 150 to 300 minutes of moderate aerobic activity per week. What does that mean? 300 minutes divided by seven days is all you have to work out for the week. It could be in the range of 150 to 300. That could be jogging, walking, hiking, walking on an incline on a treadmill, using a rower comfortably, an elliptical, any type of cardio equipment that you can think of is pretty much what that encompasses. And then you have 75 to 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity per week. What does this mean? You're working a lot harder than you were prior to. Now you can alternate more between a comfortable pace and a more intense pace. You can mix the two, or you can just do 75 minutes of vigorous activity per week. That's like sprinting, sled pushing, pulling too. If you want to push or pull your truck, go for it. If it's vigorous, good. If it's not, then you're still in that first category. But you could pretty much do anything that breaks a sweat, builds muscle, will cause you to be a little bit sore, or at least challenge you in that moment. Now, again, you can mix these up. I tell people whenever they're starting cardio to do like a rest-walk combination. I tell them walk for a minute, run for 30 seconds, walk for a minute, run for 30 seconds, or you can alter those times however you need to. It all depends on the fitness level. Their strength training guidelines are kind of a joke, and I say this because they call for two days of strength training a week. Uh, to be honest, you need a lot more than that depending on your fitness level. If you are already fit and you kind of already have a foundation built, don't worry about it. You actually only need one to two days to maintain all of that. But if you're in the process of building strength, you're definitely going to need a little bit more than two days over time. Two days is a good place to start, but you're going to want to add a third, a fourth if you're feeling overzealous. But me personally, I stop at three. I think a lot of people could see a lot of benefit with one to three days of exercise per week, and it doesn't necessarily need to kill them. You can always leave some juice in the tank. Summarize those three guidelines that everybody should try to be following. 150 minutes to 300 minutes of moderate aerobic activity. I do not hit this long. 75 minutes to 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity, I hit that one. Or two days of strength training per week. That is my goal. I try to always hit two to three. I do not always hit it. Sometimes I get one. Sometimes I actually get none. 
But depending on who you are, your job, attitude towards lifting, that might all be very different. So there are some stats that I saw on the website that I wanted to share with everybody because it's kind of baffling when you really put it into this perspective. Now, these are exact quotes. More than a quarter of the world's adult population, 1.4 billion adults, are insufficiently active. There's 7.8 billion people in the world, and it's bad. That's a bad number. Most of us are inactive, and we're okay with it. Some are, some are not. All depends on where you are and your perspective on it. In the world, they say, this, is, this article was updated in 2020, so only two years ago, but they say one in three women and one in four men do not do enough physical activity to stay healthy. I can believe it, especially in the U.S. I can believe it. The levels of inactivity are twice as high in high-income countries compared to low-income countries. I never really thought about this until I read it. It's actually very interesting and makes a ton of sense. So let's think about it real quick. High-income countries, we'll think Canada, the U.S., We have all these things to keep us occupied or busy. We have cars, we have video games, we have Netflix. I'm not saying that other countries don't. I'm just saying in the compared between the two, there's definitely a difference. And we'll go to a third world country. Goodness. I'm terrible with geography, but let's use India, for example. Tons of people in there. They have a large population and they're not necessarily on the same level of industrialization as America. In some places, not all places, some places. But think about the differences in lifestyle between those places. Side note, I was watching an interview and it was about a man who went to an went to Africa and hunted with local tribesmen. That is the difference that I'm talking about. Low income, they have to hunt for their food to get it versus us driving to, to Giant to go buy six gallons of milk for whatever reason for the night. That's the difference that I'm, I'm noting. And it was actually very interesting to see that. Also, there have been no improvements in global levels of activity since 2001. I was very shocked to read this, especially when it comes to social media, movies, shows, all of the type of, type of mail order exercise equipment that we can get to our house to, to find out that there was no increase since 2001. That's very shocking. And I don't necessarily know what the cause is. I mean, everybody is different and we can definitely see that because I know people that would not dream of missing a day of exercise, but I also know people that exercising is very different or very difficult for them. And that's, that's okay. Again, it's just stark to see that no increase in physical activity since 2001 is very shocking. The last one that kind of shocked me too, insufficient activity increased by 5% in high income countries between 2001 and 2016. So over five, over 15 years, we've gotten 5% more inactive. In the law of large numbers, it's very shocking. 31% all the way to 36.8%. You guys can read that in the article that I'm going to have in the notes to see for yourself. If you are in that category, reflect, think about it. Do you want to be in that category? Do you want to kind of breach those limitations and you can do that it's just i'm highlighting these stats mainly it's just like an eye-opener for anybody who's listening because most people do not know this i i spoke with somebody they didn't even know we had guidelines i didn't know we had guidelines so i went to school so i was in that boat too and here's a common question that we went over back when i was in college and i still have this conversation with people nowadays is occupational physical activity the same as exercise and training Based on our discussion at the beginning of the episode, no, it is not. Why? Because you have a goal in mind when you're training and when you're exercising. When you're doing, when you're at your job, I mean, your goal is to complete your job 
Let's use a nurse, for example. Your goal is to take care of the patients. So you're running all up and down the hospital, either using the elevator, using the stairs. You're quick on your feet. You're thinking. You're talking a lot. You're out of breath. You're bending down, picking things up. You might be even hoisting things over your head. It all depends. You would use training and exercise to make your occupation easier on you so that's not as taxing. So the way I see it, I see that exercise and training precedes occupational physical activity. You're exercising and training to make your job or recreational activities or your life easier on you. That's why I believe that exercise is pretty much geared towards quality of life and longevity. Yes, when you exercise, you get boosts with your mental, your emotions and and your physical form as well. But in terms of work, this all benefits you for that. It, It has a crossover. I was actually in the process of thinking about helping out a local firefighter organization to see if they actually have any physical fitness like requirements or maintenance. Because for a firefighter, for example, they need to lift heavy weights. We'll use sled drags, for example. I do sled drags and sled pushes just because I like to get my legs a little bit stronger and I like to work on my lungs because I got, I got ter- terrible cardio. But for a firefighter, yeah, you're going to improve their cardio, but they actually have to use that. I mean, if a teammate goes down, they have to drag them. If they're getting somebody out of a burning building, they need to be able to do these movements with confidence, stable form, and with some strength because not everybody is the same size. I mean, if you're rescuing somebody from rescuing a kid from a fire is not the same as rescuing a grown man from a fire. If you can pick up a kid, cool. If you cannot pick up the grown man who's caught in the fire, they're in trouble and you're in trouble because that's your job. And that's why these firefighters go out there and risk their lives. And they got to be prepared for that. You could even look in terms of police. EMS, any physically demanding job, it is a benefit to get into the gym and actually prepare for those movements that you'll be seeing in your occupation. All right. So just recapping physical activity versus exercise and training. Physical activity is pretty much anything that you do throughout the day, whether it's texting, gardening, cooking, hanging a flag on a flagpole. That is your physical exertion. Exercise and training is very different because you are trying to make it easier to do those tasks. It may not be a direct goal, but you'll definitely see a crossover. For example, if you're doing a plank or you're trying to train your core, you're trying to improve that strength and the amount of time that you can hold that plank, that's going to translate into less back pain. You'll improve your posture over that. You may not get as tired and you'll be able to run longer. Really weird translation, but you will be able to run longer because the longer that your core can sustain that form, the longer you can run. So those are the type of crossovers that'll happen with exercise and training versus just physical activity. And again, look in those notes, go to this website, just take a read. They have guidelines literally for one to two year olds in every age group from then on up. These guidelines that I read are basically for the demographic of 18 to 67, I believe, and with no comorbidities. So this is anybody who is in decent health. All right. The other topic that I'm going to touch on is core training. The three muscles in the core. Well, The core is actually made up of a lot more than three muscles, but the three main muscles everybody focuses on, rectus abdominis, transverse abdominis, and the obliques. You got two sets of obliques, external, internal. One deals with internal rotation, that's the internal oblique, and the other one deals with external rotation, which would be the external oblique. A bunch of variety of exercises, and I'm actually going to give you some exercises to test out and to look up after this so you guys can create your own little core training workout, a little beginner workout. It's going to be fun. But something that has to be talked about prior to going to any type of core training and any strength training in general is bracing your core. 
A lot of people do not know what that means, but it's very foundational when it comes to movement. And all that is, is, well, people cue it differently. So sometimes they'll say, brace for a punch in the stomach. What do we do? We brace. We contract the core, making it harder in case we get hit. Think of Harry Houdini. What they actually mean, and there's a lot more to bracing than that because your core is only one part of the chain. You have to apply torque in your legs. You have to squeeze your glutes. You then have to contract your core muscles. Think about bracing for a punch. And then you have to align your shoulders and you got to align your head. The top part of the body is easy. Assume good posture. Just pop your chest out a little bit. That makes your shoulders rotate back. You just look ahead. The core and the lower body is the hardest part for people to sustain and even get into, to be honest. So an exercise that you can do to practice bracing is simply lay on the ground, flat, like you're going to sleep, but don't do that. Bend your legs so they form a triangle, and all you're going to do is breathe. When you breathe, the goal is to breathe into your stomach, no chest breathing. Breathe into your diaphragm, feel your ribs expand, just in and out, do a couple breaths so you get the hang of it. If this is new to you, take some time, get used to this, do it for a minute, two minutes. If you already breathe through your diaphragm, you are ahead of a lot of people, let me tell you that. But once you get your breathing down on one of the exhales, all you're going to do is breathe out all the way. Your stomach is going to get tight. You're going to feel the diaphragm sink up, then squeeze your core, contract that. Maintain that tightness for your spine and breathe into your diaphragm. Your stomach's not going to be moving up and down. You'll notice that. That's for a reason. It's because it creates pressure in your core that stabilizes your spine for the movement. Okay, this can be applied to standing. You can do a squat, deadlift. You should basically be doing this for any time you lift something. You have to do this. If you don't, that's when all the fine muscles in your back and even the larger ones kind of get tweaked and pulled, and then you'll be out of commission for a couple of days or you won't be feeling right at all. But once you get that brace down, you could pretty much delve into any other type of exercises um, regarding the core. As long as they're not too advanced, you got to go slow with this. Um, and what I mean by that is you should basically start with a plank, okay? The rectus abdominis. These are the up and down muscles. They bring your pelvis to your chest, okay? Think of lying leg raises. Think of six inches. That'll also help those. That'll strengthen all the rectus abdominis. But that's actually the exercise that I'm going to give you guys for the rectus, two of them. Six inches, everyone's heard of it. You lay on the ground. You brace your core so it's flat. You shouldn't let your back arch because you will feel pain in your low back when you do this. So to start... Bend your legs. Bend your legs, lift them in the air, brace your core, and then start to straighten your legs. As you start to straighten your legs, your core is going to kick in. It's going to hold them up. If you are strong enough, your back is not going to arch. If you're weak enough, or if you are too weak, I should say, your back is going to arch. Don't get discouraged just because your back arches. All you have to do, bend those legs, bring them back up to where your back is flat, set a timer and just hold it there. Let your body adapt to the new position that you're putting it in because it's not used to being in that position. And that's actually a main reason why a lot of people kind of struggle with exercise or they're just not really into it because it's too hard. But you have to think of it this way. If you've been sitting wrong for 10 years, you're going to have to go through a lot of time to correct that because that's the default. That's your body's default. You're basically trying to change how your body naturally moves in everyday life. And that's where we do that in the gym. That's why we focus on corrective movements. That's why we try to strengthen people so these muscles can maintain that tension and that tone and allow your skeleton to not fold in on itself. Um, but there are other ways to improve your core if you're not really interested in doing it yourself or if you just 
don't know how, or you want to start a little slower, these are my two main ways that I recommend people or I suggest people to go start training their core and for a bunch of other benefits, yoga and Pilates. I say this because everybody, everybody, myself included, should be doing yoga. Uh, people may disagree with that. It's a personal, it's a personal preference, to be honest. You do not have to do yoga if you know what you're doing and you're fit and you're mobile and you're not tight and you're strong enough. By all means, don't worry about it. But if you're a beginner and you want to start being introduced to new movements and kind of getting to know your body, build a mind-body connection, yoga and Pilates are some of the best ways to do it. Pilates actually has a special mention. I was talking to a Pilates instructor, two Pilates instructors I know. One of them never gave me really any feedback or super useful information on Pilates, I should say. But the other instructor I talked to, she did. Local musculature was the word that got me thinking. The local muscles versus the global muscles. What's a global muscle? A global muscle is your hamstring, your quad, your lat, your shoulder, your chest. It's a, it's a larger muscle that deals with actually moving your body. Your local muscles attached to your skeleton. These are the muscles, these are the fine muscles, I call them, that we don't see, that we can't touch, that people neglect. But these are the ones that support your spine. These are the ones that support your skeleton the most and help stabilize everything else. If these aren't strong, those global movements, that squat is going to be so unsteady and cause for injury, added difficulty, and it's just going to discourage you overall. But when it comes to Pilates, when they focus on that local musculature, and I only took one Pilates class. I can't even say it was a whole class. I was a demonstration in the lobby at my job when we brought the class here. But let me tell you, I could not do anything. <laughs> it was so hard to even just focus on connecting my body and having it move as one chain that I was confused when I was on that Pilates table. I just, I didn't know how to move my body. So when Patty, who's the instructor's name, when Patty told me to squeeze my core, tuck my pelvis, dorsiflex my feet, and it changed everything. And I asked why it was so difficult because I didn't know. And she told me that it mainly works on the pelvic floor. Pilates is very good for your pelvic floor. Why am I talking about pelvic floors? <laughs> because everybody needs work with their pelvic floor, men and especially women. Why women? Because y'all have kids. And when you guys have kids, your abs take a hit, a big hit. Your whole body takes a hit, but your abs take the biggest hit because they're so stretched out and they're weak. All that pressure from that baby moving everything around and being so heavy, it just causes stress for your body and everything gets more lax. Now, when you have that baby or you have multiple babies, the ab training that's happening or isn't happening isn't moving, isn't strengthening all that stuff. Over the years, I've been telling people to do yoga and Pilates, but I have to consider that added benefit. People should not be grown. They should not be laughing and sneezing. They should not be peeing themselves. If that's happening, that's no bueno. And you definitely have to have to strengthen your core a little bit. And I'm just envisioning it. How many times I've heard that in my life and I've just never been educated enough to tell somebody that, hey, go take a Pilates class or something, go strengthen that core. But now I can, and I'm very happy for that. All right, so let's put this little core workout together. You're going to do this with me on the microphone. If you do not know a movement, don't worry about it. Just Google it because they have a lot of videos and a lot of images. If you do know the movement, awesome, and teach it to somebody. So for the rectus abdominis, I already said this earlier in the podcast, planks, and you can do six inches. These are both isometric holds. This means there is no lengthening and shortening of your muscle. It is the easiest stage of strength training. In my opinion, one of the most important. 
For the transverse abdominis, think of it as anti-rotation, not rotating. Rotation is covered by your obliques, your external and internal. Your transverse abdominis is that natural weight belt that holds everything inside your body. That bracing muscle is worked out via not anti-rotation. So just don't twist. That's easier said than done, but if you look up an exercise called the Paloff Press, where you use a resistance band, you tie, you anchor it to a structure, and you have to hold your arms out, chest height, chest height at arm's length. It's very difficult for people not to twist left or right. And you'll definitely see your deficiencies once you even start that with a lighter band. But again, you just work up to a standard that you're happy with. Increase the time when it comes to the transverse movements to that Paloff press. Another exercise that you could do um, in regards to the transverse abdominis is the plank with shoulder taps. I use this one often. I assign it to people because I see the benefit that it does. Every time that hand comes up to tap that shoulder, your body wants to fall. So if you're doing a plank, straight arm plank, and that right arm comes up to tap your left shoulder, your right arm, your whole right side of your body actually is going to want to dip and twist. You cannot let it twist. That is on you. You're supposed to keep your body as rigid and straight as possible. And that only happens when your whole body is working together. You got your glutes contracted, core contracted, your lats are contracted, shoulders are in their proper placement, and you're applying force to the ground. Also, can't let your hips sag and you can't let your hips get too high. That's going to throw the whole movement off and you won't even feel it in your core. You'll feel it in your shoulders. As for the obliques, internal and external, they're both worked at the same time. Think of a Russian twist. A lot of people cannot do a Russian twist just because of the act of sitting back on your rear and lifting your legs, feet, I should well, legs, lifting your legs and feet off the ground is enough to challenge people that they can't even balance. And if you can't balance in that position, in the start position, you're definitely not going to be able to rotate without weight. Don't even think about rotating with weight. It's just going to be too difficult and it's something you got to work up to. So my recommendation for the obliques, and this is also going to work your rectus abdominis too, when you do the obliques, work on the start of the Russian twist. Sit on the ground, lean back onto your butt, Lift your legs and just try to balance there. Just try to feel the connection with your abs and your glutes and your quads and how everything is tense and how it's not shaking. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do with your core. You want to provide stability for the rest of your body through all movements, whether it's at your job, in the shower, getting a bowl of cereal, or lifting 200 pounds. Even even doing a bodyweight squat, you want to make sure that you're stable in those positions. When you create this core training workout, it's very simple. Take those three extra, take those three muscles, look up one to two exercises for each, and only do about four of them. Mix them up however you want. The goal here is to just get two to three sets of 30 seconds to one minute. If you can do that on the first try, fantastic. If you can't, that's why we work up to it. You're not going to do that on the first try if you're not super fit and if it's something that you're just getting into. Be gentle with yourself. Take it easy. Start with even one or two exercises and then build up. But you can either start with A, more number of exercises. So one, two, three, four, five, six exercises you can do for your core. Next thing you're going to focus on is your volume. How many sets can you do and how much time can you do? If you do two sets of 30 seconds for your plank, that's a whole minute altogether. 
That's fantastic. Work on getting that up. Some of these exercises, you can work on increasing your load. When it comes to the core, you don't need a lot of weight. Most people think they do. You don't. It'll make them real blocky and real thick, and that's okay. So for the purpose of everyday life, I would do core workouts in an endurance range because you're really just trying to improve that posture. You're trying to move better. You're trying to be more stable. So I wouldn't necessarily try to do like a crunch with 100 pounds because it's just not going to have that much added benefit for you if you would do 50 crunches with 10 pounds. Very different levels of volume, um, but one works your body an entirely different way based on the energy system that you're, you're eyeing up. And if you guys wanted to read a little bit about the core or learn a bit about the musculature of the core, there's actually a book that I bought and that I've I actually lent it to somebody. It's by a man named Frederick Delavier. Um, it's The Anatomy of Core Training. Very useful. Gives you a lot of diagrams. If it's something that you're just not really super interested in, Google will help you out just fine. Go on Google, DuckDuckGo, use the Brave browser, use whatever you got to do to just ask questions. How can I improve core training? What other core exercises are there? How can I mix it up while core training? And you'll get a bunch of resources there. But the one that I use, I was actually looking at it today, is Frederick Delavier's Anatomy of Core Training. He has one for strength training and he has one for flexibility. It's like 10, 15 bucks. Very useful resource. I use it all the time whenever I program or if somebody has questions about the body. All right, so recapping that core training, three muscles, rectus abdominis, transverse abdominis, and you got your obliques, external and internal. Practice bracing your core at least once a day. Whether you wake up in the morning, whether it's before bed, just practice breathing into your diaphragm, making it hard and focusing on that tension throughout your whole body. Eventually, you're going to get used to it, and eventually it's going to translate literally literally into everything that you do. And if you don't want to take on that challenge by yourself, yoga or Pilates. Take a friend, take a family member, take a neighbor. doesn't really matter. As long as you get in there and you experience it, that way you can see the difference between having tension in your body and not having tension in your body. Let me tell you, when it comes to yoga, it is challenging. Sometimes. Some classes, there's a whole variety of classes, but yoga can be challenging. So don't think it's for sissies or anything. It's very useful and it's pretty fun actually. Someone keeps asking me to go to a hot yoga class and I just, I can't bring myself to do it. I'm, I'm not I'm not down with balancing with all that sweat. I know it'll be good for me. I know it'll build good strength. It's just not, not my environment. Also, I want to leave you guys with this recommendation, suggestion, whatever you want to call it. To those who like reading, there's a book out there. It's called Sugar Blues. Look into it. For those struggling with nutrition or what they should eat or what they should avoid, look into the book Sugar Blues. It's by an author called William Duffy. It will open your eyes to the type of things that's in our food and how our diets have changed over the past 50 years. Because our health, as we read in the WHO document, has gotten worse since 2001. 5% worse. But geez, since World War II, it's gotten worse by magnitudes, honestly. It's because they started putting chemicals and all these unnecessary ingredients into our food, and it's not as natural as it is. So, Frederick Delavier's Anatomy of Core Training, Sugar Blues by William Duffy. Definitely check those out if you guys are interested. Definitely practice bracing your core. It's very important. Everyone should be doing it. Again, it'll help with your stability and your movements. It'll help with your posture and it'll help with that low back pain. And just take a look at the guidelines that the WHO, the WHO, has to offer us 
Do you meet them? Do you not meet them? Do you want to meet them? It, it all depends on what you want to do, but these are guidelines to essentially help you get to where you want to go. You don't have to follow these to the letter. doesn't really matter. Most people don't even hit them as of now, but it's a good starting point. And from there, you can evolve into the type of training that you want to do that works best for you. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Fit Talk with Nick. Please feel free to leave a review or share this with your friends and family. You can find us on the rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com. Um, just keep learning, stay consistent, and have a great day.